0: this
1: this, is fight disciples
0: we are gathered here today for the fight disciples ufc and boxing talk
2: how you doing thank you so much for downloading today's show coming up i try my very very best to defend Jermaine Durandame's actions after the bell. She is there to fight. And as far as I'm concerned, Holly Holm should be doing exactly the same thing and therefore defending herself at all times, all times. Forget the hooter. That's not a signal for you. That's a signal for the referee to call time on the end of the round. You fight until he tells you to stop. We've got a clip from Michael Bispin's radio show when a familiar voice decided to ring him up. Oh, yeah. Listen to this guy. Hey, Roydhead, lay off the steroids. Lay off the steroids. and And Nick is creating some new moves in the octagon.
3: Well, he's naming some new moves anyway. Is is kicking game used to be on point? Is naughty elbow game on point? <laughs> is that is that a thing? Is yeah. that a thing in the UFC? The naughty elbow the game. Naughty elbow <laughs> as hell blows, man. This is the Fight Disciples Podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes Store.
2: Welcome to episode 76 of the Fight Disciples podcast. There's so much to be talking about, let me tell you, after the weekend that we have witnessed. Uh, at UFC 208. We're going to get to all that in a minute. But first of all, a little bit of a thank you to you. Myself and Nick um dreamt up this idea a little over 15 months ago. We've been going for 12 months now as the fight disciples on this podcast. And it's going from strength to strength. That's not us bragging. That is us thanking you. That's what it is. Because it's all right, me and him sat in a room on a week to week basis talking about fights. But there's no point if nobody's listening to it. Uh, and we are growing at a. Well, can we use the word phenomenal? Because we are, we are well growing. It's growing at a phenomenal rate. So, thank you so much if you decided to listen to us even once. Thank you so much, and if you subscribe to us on a weekly basis, hey man, much appreciated. Really, really good. Thank you so much. Um, we hopefully will be continuing to uh, bring you some exclusive stuff as we kick on into uh, 2017. And obviously, you being a big UFC fan, um, we're going to be right amongst UFC London and hopefully bringing you some stuff. And a little bit later on in today's show. Uh, we'll be talking about um, Bellator London, and fingers crossed we'll be able to get some shit for that. Because let me tell you, that main, that main event of that is just going to be unreal. Both me and Nick this week, when that got laid down. To be fair, when the press conference was going on for Bellator, we saw MVP Paul Daly, the one that you've been shouting for, Nick. Yeah. All, well, for the last two to three weeks, we I thought, fucking hell, they're going to do it. And then, obviously, they bring out Rory McDonald's name, and you think to yourself, shit, they bad. Shit, shit they're bad. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on in the show, so make sure you stick with us. Right now, let's point our attention towards UFC 208. Ten fights, nine decisions. Mate. Listen, we'll get to all that in a minute. Sorry. It was hard, mate. It was hard. It was tough tough viewing, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we do two shows. We do, obviously, the UFC show and we do the boxing show. Now, if you're a traditional boxing fan and you've been thinking, oh, give these lads a little bit of a listen on the UFC show and you hear us going crazy sometimes about certain UFC fights and getting all excited about certain things, and if you've taken our recommendation to go and check out UFC 208 and that was your first event, if that was the first time you've ever watched UFC, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> sorry. So, no, I'm so sorry. Listen, stick with us, yeah, because it's only going to get better. We're going to talk about fights that have been made at, for example, UFC 212. That's all coming up, yeah? There's stuff to get excited about, but 208 was a bit of a snow fest, as you've just done, man.
3: That was one of the worst pay-per-view UFC events I can remember. It's literally right up there. And you've top, been do- you've been doing them top all. Three. You've done them exactly. all. Exactly. And I've been, you know, been covering it full time for the last six years and watching it for at least ten. But uh, that was one of the worst pay per view events. And the mad thing was, on paper, going into the event, we said it last week, it didn't look great. Yeah. But what tends to happen with the UFC when the cards don't look great? Yeah. They tend to be awesome. But unfortunately, this one looked bad and played <laughs> out even worse. Played out even worse. You know. Uh forget about the under, forget about the prelims you know forget about that they're not even worth talking about but even the main card like the opening fight Dustin Poirier Jim Miller which which was awarded fight that's how bad it was they only actually give out two bonuses yeah because there was a lack of entertainment but Dustin Poirier versus Jim Miller it was okay you know, it was alright it was decent I think on, on any other card that doesn't get anywhere near a performance bonus no I thought the two of them were quite sloppy Two of them were just basically brawling, just winging in big hooks at each other, uh, kicking the legs out from under each other. There was nothing really there that stood out. Put it this way, you know, I didn't make a mental note for at the end of 2017, <laughs> bear that in mind as a potential <laughs> Fight of the Year candidate. I guarantee that much so. Oh, man. absolutely. Th- you know what? That fight, at least I thought, okay, okay, here we go. Main card time. Okay, that's better. This is a bit more like it. Straight into Teixeira versus Kananier. Fucking hell. Complete and utter mismatch. Like it is on paper, Cananier is brand new to the UFC, had a couple of wins. is a legit top 10 guy, and it looked that way. Completely and utterly outclassed them. Next one. Jacques Souza, number two-ranked middleweight on the planet. Tim Bosch, basically a gatekeeper to the top 15. You beat Tim Bosch, chances are you'll get ranked in the top 15 that played out exactly how he would imagine. Absolutely. Jacare's jiu-jitsu on a completely different level. Just put him down and ripped his arm off with a Kimura. You know, it's just like complete mismatch. Yeah, that, that was what's supposed to happen. Then we had the co-main and the main event, which I'm sure we're going to talk about ex- extensively now. And I've got a feeling I disagree with you on both. I know you do. Both I outcomes. I know you do,
2: right? Because what you've done, you've seen, because um, I've written a blog on uh, on our website. Go, to, go and check it out, fightdisciples.com. Um, but if you can't be arsed reading, just listen to what I'm about to say, because I'm going to tell, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> tell you exactly what I've said, right? We'll go to the main event first, okay? okay. Because this is the, obviously, the inaugural... History. Yeah, history. history fight, yeah. It's the inaugural um, female featherweight uh, world title fight. Holly Holm, Jemaine Duranderme, right? Now, last week on this show, we sat here and said, these two kids have got, it's basically a kickboxing match. They're going to stand in the centre of the octagon and kick the shit out of each other. Holly Holm didn't want to do that, right? She didn't want to do it. And therefore, there were a couple of takedown efforts. There were uh, a lot of backs up against the octagon, which I'm sure bored the living daylights out of a few people. But the the incident that we're going to talk about now is obviously shots after the bout, yeah? Mm -hmm. That's where we're going to go. So in the second round, um, Joanne de amey probably lands the most significant (laughs) strike of the whole fight on Holly Holmes' chin after the Hooter had gone. And there was an effort to do a similar thing at the end of the third. Now, we haven't spoken about this, Nick, so I don't know where you're at with it, but I personally don't think that she lands cleanly enough um in the at the end of the third round, so it doesn't really matter that one. The second round one, fair enough, right? She absolutely clocks her, wobbles her, shakes her to her boots, whatever, yeah.
3: She she was she looked out on her feet. Yeah, she hurts. She out, out she, she hurts
2: and all that and there's no question about it. However, yeah. my argument with it is and and I felt for uh, Jermaine D'Arandomir during the fight because people started booing. At the end when she wins and all this type of stuff, people start booing her in particular. It's not her fault. She's a fighter. She's in there, zoned out, focused on one thing. She ain't listening for the whoer. She ain't concentrating on the thousands in attendance or the millions watching around the world as they tell us at the start of every single fight. She is there to fight. And as far as I'm concerned, Holly Holm should be doing exactly the same thing. And therefore defending herself at all times. All times. Forget the hooter. That's not a signal for you. That's a signal for the referee to call time on the end of the round. You fight until he tells you to stop. As far as I'm concerned, where are you at? Um,
3: I, I get where you're coming from. It's a textbook kind of answer. I just think when you're in there especially these five-minute rounds that the UFC have got going. It's bad enough in boxing, but as soon as you hear that tutor, you mentally start to switch off. It may not be immediately, but you're mentally switched off. I thought Duranda May, it wasn't just one shot. I thought it was two shots late. She was lucky to not get a warning the first time around. To do it again at the end of the third round, I thought was disgusting. I thought she should 100% have been Dr. Point. And to me... For, I'll be, but that's the referee, innit? it? Me, that's the referee's fault.
2: It's not her fault. It's the ref's fault.
3: It, it is well. Let's come on to the referee then. If you're going to say it's the referee's fault, let's go. This is a guy that's never ever done a world title fight in the UFC before. A mm. guy appointed by. There's a reason why the UFC. Whenever they go, they take... It's always the same kind of group of referees, yeah. certainly for the title fights at the end. you have Herb Deans, you John McCarthys, your yeah. Mark Goddard, you Eve Levines, Leon Roberts, you know, all these guys. There's a reason why these guys pop up, because these are the most experienced MMA referees on the planet. They have been there before. They know how to react. They can take control of situations. I thought this guy, this Todd Anderson or whatever he was, i never even heard of him before. Hmm. I've never even seen him before, so... He definitely hasn't been in a main event of the UFC before, certainly not a title fight. So to put somebody like that in this situation, and for me, he didn't take control of the situation. The random A, the strikes at the end of the second were 100% worthy of being Dr. Points. Without so a warning. Ju- so not even giving her a warning. I'd have just gone straight away, I'd have just gone, because it was too much. It was like too much. She kept going. It wasn't like on the hooter, oh, I've already threw this shot. It was like, hooter's gone. And uh, by the way, ding, ding, there's another big right hand. Nearly finished the fight. Okay, so Hom nearly got knocked out. So if Hom gets absolutely knocked out cold there, which he almost was, if yeah. she'd have gone down then, what happens then? She's The, the remandere's got to be disqualified. She punched her after the bell. She's got to be disqualified. They're the rules. So the fact the fight went on, clearly Holly Holm with a complete disadvantage because she's had her brain scrambled and yet she's got nothing out of it. The May didn't even really get a ticking off from the referee. So then when Amanda May repeated that at the end of the third round as well, you thought, come on, someone's got to take control of this situation. Do you think at the end of the third round that she catches her? Uh, it wasn't necessarily that. I don't think she caught her as cleanly as the end of the second round. Yeah. But I think she willingly threw that shot. Of course she, she did. knew the fight was over. Listen. The round was
2: over, but she still threw a shot. I'm not denying that. Absolutely. So, she cheated.
3: so she's cheating? Well,
2: then. This, this is it. This is, where, this is where my attitude comes towards it. She's a fighter. At the end of the day, you're there to fight. Forget the ref. Forget anything else. You are there to fight. The referee is there to keep the peace and therefore keep that you within the rules of the game. I don't give a shit about, oh, nicey-nicey, we stop at this time and all that type of stuff. You fight. End of, end of the chat. And I, I, I totally agree. It was intentional. She one hundred percent did it on yeah. purpose. Of course she did. But yeah. so what? That's that's where I come from. So what? So what? It's down to the referee. I agree with you. The second time, I don't agree that she should have been docked first time round. Second time, okay, there's an argument there where you get your warning for your first one. Second one, he warns her, doesn't it? He? And he should have he should have done that the first time round. And then yeah. maybe at the end of the third gone. Fucking know what are you playing, that kid. There you go,
3: point deducted. Yeah, I agree. She definitely, she definitely should have been deducted a 100 percent. And to be honest with you, even without being deducted a point, I still had Holly Holm winning three, four, and five. I still thought Holly Holm won the fight. So I thought the ref, the decision was wrong in the end as well. And but I'd have definitely docked the bay a air point. So I had I had Holm winning it by two.
2: Which kind of then moves us on to obviously the Anderson Silver fight. Because okay, you've no. you've seamlessly moved that into judging, right? See, we were at, we've had a go at the ref. We both yeah. agree that the ref were a bit out of a bit wrong. Yeah. Even though we disagree on Duranda may being wrong, but we I think we can both agree that the judges in the Anderson Silver fight I had a little bit of a nightmare because Anderson Silver in that third round, he looked about seventy-eight, mate, right? There's yeah, no exactly. way that he wins that last round. And to be fair. Okay, you could probably kick a bit of an argument for the second round, yep. but I didn't see it that way. I, I saw it at Brunson. I saw it one round to Anderson, one round to Brunson, going into the final round, and Brunson won it quite comfortably.
3: I thought there was an argument that Brunson won every round, to be honest yeah, maybe, with you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, you know, Anderson Silver, it was nice to see, you know, the, the cap, the, where he was dancing, doing the capoeira and stuff, and you were like, hey, Anderson's back, woo! Mate, the guy's finished. He's fucking finished. He's Mm. got nothing left. He looks like an old man. Mm. He's slow. He's cumbersome. You know, he gets destroyed by anybody in the top five of this middleweight division. Absolutely. Absolutely When you compare it to Jacare, who
2: was on before him, you think he's a fucking old.
3: Jacare would devour him. Absolutely. You know, he wouldn't because they're they're good friends and they're teammates. They would never fight. But Jacare would absolutely destroy him. You know, to be honest. I thought Brunson was going to gonna walk through him. I, I think Brunson now must be watching that fight back and must be absolutely devastated because he had the opportunity there to take the biggest scalp of his career and he hesitated. Yeah, I was going to say he was, that. He hesitated. Too, was
2: it too much respect? Because if you look at all Big the... Big time,
3: too much respect. If Way you look too at all much the,
2: respect. The weigh-ins and the, all that, there was a lot of friendly, smiling, shaking hands, messing about and all that type of stuff, weren't there? The, obviously, you're in, you're in you're in the era of greatness. You're next to your exactly. hero. So that might... It's taken away from his own particular performance. Like, I agree with you.
3: He was hesitant. He should have just gone in there and tried to mow him. Big time. And, he, you know, he, he just steamed him as well. You know, there was there was times there where Jacare had him... Uh, sorry, where, where Anderson had him in a tight clinch, like a plum clinch, around the yeah, back of the neck. Yeah, weird. Where... And that used to be Anderson's thing, get him in a tight clinch, throw the knees in, yeah. then as you pull away, throw elbows in. You know, that's what he was all about, but he's an old man now, he can't do that no more. And Brunson was just teeing off with uppercuts, and I thought, what are you stopping for? Just unload like crazy, because you've got, there's a few times when Anderson straight his legs straightened, mm. I just thought to Brunson, what are you waiting for? Instead, Brunson's shooting from the other side of the octagon. Mm. And Anderson's doing these sprawls and the commentary team. By the way, the commentary, I thought the three-man commentary team loved it, yeah. awesome, yeah. more pleased, yeah, definitely. But they're waxing lyrical about Anderson's incredible sprawl technique and everything else. Yeah, it's fucking easy to sprawl when he sh- when Brunson's shooting from the other side of the octagon. I, I don't know, I just think I think Team Brunson, I think Greg Jackson and all those guys, they will watch that fight back and go, one, we didn't lose it, but two, we missed an opportunity. We missed an opportunity to jump all over the fighter formerly known as Anderson Silver. And worryingly, like at the end when he read the result and Anderson burst into tears, I think part of that initially I think was because he genuinely thought he'd lost that fight. Mm. Well when the, when the when the final hooter went and they had that weird loving on the floor when they were hugging and basically kissing and everything I was like he's doing this because Anderson knows he's finished now you know and that's when when he was talking he was like you know it's not really about the belt it's not about this I'm doing it cuz I love it you know I want to keep fighting forever that's all good and well but I'll tell you now they need to they need to be careful who they match him with they need to do like a Bellator style legends tour yeah. and put him in there with a few guys that because Everybody else, everybody within a title shot, you know, Wideman, Rockhold, even Bispin, Yol Romero, Jacare, Musasi, all these guys smash the current version of Anderson Silva to bits. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You just mentioned B- GSP back, Let do something with GSP, but
2: nah. You just mentioned Bispin's name there, right? I wouldn't be surprised if Bispin's like going, oh, oh let's do Anderson next. <laughs> let's do that. Let's get let's that ju- on there. He's doing everything he can not
3: to fight Joel Romero. Oh, and I don't man. really blame him, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Mate, absolutely
2: bonkers. The whole Bispin Joel Romero situation. Before we get to that, because I've got a little bit of something to play in a minute. Um, Jack O'Reilly 100% deserves his shot, mate. 100% deserves his shot. I just do not want to see him in there with Mike because he'll rip him to fucking bits.
3: Yeah, I think Romero's the same way, to be honest. I think Mike's going to struggle against both those guys. As great as Mike is, you know, I just... I think 2016 was the year of the Bisping. Forever will be remembered as the year of Michael Bisping. Absolutely, man. Uh, I just think 2017's catch, going to catch up on him very quickly. Um, what do you make of all the Ian McCall thing? <laughs> oh, man.
2: Poor Ian McCall. Man, what the fuck is going on? Like, last week, you even said... You know what I mean? Uh, Everybody pray for Ian McCall. You know what I mean? I He's had four... Uh, fights fall through on him. His last four, four four fights have all fallen through. Make sure that you pray for him. I even said I'm not going to pray for him until I actually see him make the walk to the octagon. Not even if on weighing in day do I believe that this fight's going to happen. Fucking hell! What is it? Two three hours before the fight, he's in hospital, gastroenteritis problems and stuff like that, and therefore the fight's off. It's just bonkers. It's,
3: it's five absolutely now. Bonkers. Five fights. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether you know he's he's. Uh, done a deal with the devil or something like that but he's completely cursed Ian McCall now completely cursed you know it's like who's he who's he gonna get matched with next who's he is he ever gonna get matched up again or is he just gonna go you know what it, it ain't happening it's never gonna happen for me it's mental mental to think that he's had so many fights cancelled. Certainly so late as well. They're always within fight week. Mm. Must be heartbreaking for the kid. I don't know what he's doing for money because obviously he's an MMA fighter. These guys only get only get paid if they fight. It's crazy. You're
1: listening to the Fight Disciples podcast.
2: Now then, a couple of things uh, to obviously get through. Away from uh, UFC 208 and into the world of UFC. There's been quite a few uh, moves and shakers. The thing I like about the main events is that they then start to announce, obviously... Big upcoming fights, coming our way. Last week, you referred to this again. It was weird. This is like some weird voodoo shit going on right now. You predicted kind of the Ian McCall thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, you didn't predict nine unanimous decisions, mate. You know what I mean? You could have told us it was going to be a snooze fest. I wouldn't have wasted my time. However, however, you did um, mention on last week's show, Jose Aldo, or Jose Waldo, as uh, Max Holloway likes to refer to him as, and obviously Max Holloway himself. UFC 212, we are off to Brazil, my man. Um, yeah. the featherweight championship is on the line. It, but is it really the featherweight championship on the line? Because the featherweight champion's having a baby. You know what I mean? He, he, he's, he's, not, he's not even there. <laughs> yeah,
3: true. Listen, he hasn't defended a featherweight belt in a long time. Let's call it the featherweight championship. Come on. Let's let's, let's make a decision now to say this is for the UFC This is the legit one. So the guy
2: that holds the belt currently is the guy that got beat off the actual champion, yeah? And yeah. then he's fighting the interim guy who's not... You know. who deserves it who yeah. actually does deserve to okay. be a champion
3: so I fa- you know what it's a good fight it's it's wicked the way Mighty Max has just gone Rio? yep fine fuck it I'll go I'll fight him anyway he said he'd fight him anyway it was only the doctor that ruled him out of fighting in New York if you remember Aldo accepted when Max called him out after his last fight and he said I'll see you in New York and Aldo was like okay and then a couple of hours later, it was like, "Oh no, we, the fight can't happen in New York." Well, Holloway had said that ain't nothing to do with me. You know, that was the doctor. I was, I couldn't fight that soon, but I will fight Waldo anyway. And anyway, it's it's done. And he's, Going to he's his back own backyard, yeah. up his words. Yeah, he's he's heading to Rio. Hell of a fight, though, man. It's a great fight, absolutely great fight. You know, if this fight happens a couple of years ago, you don't give Holloway a cat and no, health. Absolutely a chance, not. Absolutely not. But. We just don't know what's left of Jose Aldo, you know. We don't know whether Aldo's even gonna take Holloway seriously because all he wants all he ever talks about seemingly is is Connor McGregor. He's been talking about moving up to lightweight, he's been talking about giving the belt up and everything else and, and yet now here we are, he's 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 agreed to fight Holloway at two twelve. So it's just gonna be interesting to see what Jose Aldo in two thousand and seventeen looks like compared to the guy uh, you know, the guy that prior to when he fought Conor McGregor, obviously, so mm. it's going to be interesting. But I tell you what, there's going to be no hiding place with Max Holloway. The kid is a beast.
2: To be fair, um, when Jose Aldo came back after the obviously 13 second knockout, the famous 13 second knockout, I thought he looked really good. It wasn't traditional Aldo, knockout Aldo. Uh, everything flying all over the place, Aldo. But I thought he looked like he were. It was more of a confidence builder fight. I'm really looking forward to this because this is a proper challenge. As you've just said, you, you, Max Holloway is going to come, In he? He's going to come and he's going to come to fight because he wants to be the legitimate um, £145 champion, you know? And to do this in a legend's backyard, what a great coup for him.
3: Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, I think Aldo would... Aldo's WEC form never really translated to the UFC. You know, he, 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 he has become more of a decision fighter. You know, he's not had that many knockouts. I think Chad Mendes, and Chad Mendes and the Korean Zombie, I think, were the only two guys that he's knocked out since he's been in the UFC. That's no slight on Aldo, because obviously the competition's jumped up a notch, certainly in recent years, and he's got a little bit older. But for me, it just feels like Max Holloway is the future of this division you know 24 years of age got this real momentum behind him so much confidence and uh, you know th- there's really no way for Aldo to hide i think that's what Mox- max holloway's all about he's good everywhere uh he's got great striking great ground game i really fancy him for this one even though aldo you know probably going to go down as one of the greatest featherweights in history mm. i think uh, i think it could be perfect timing for holloway
2: um Earlier on in the show, we did mention, obviously, our mate Michael Bispin, who has been on this show. He came in and uh, promoted UFC 204 when he was fighting Dan Henderson. When he was in Manchester, he popped in to see us and did a full chat and we have done videos. It's all on our website, fightdisciples.com. Go and have a little bit of a nose eat it. It's all there for you to have a little bit of a crack. Now, during that chat, that we had with him, he told us that he he's a bit of a radio presenter himself. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's Mighty Mike. He's got uh, is it the Countdown show? Is that what it's called over in so, uh, yeah. in the states? It's uh, broadcast yeah. out on Sirius. F- yeah, Sirius, that's it, yeah. serious FM. Um, well, this week he was obviously doing his radio show, and um, obviously people like to phone in and have a little bit of a chat with Mike about various things and get stuck into him about his career and who he's dodging and all this type of stuff. And he had one particular guy ring in that uh, sounded extremely like one of his hopefully. Upcoming opponents, I'm of course referring to Yo Romero. Yo Romero rang Michael Bispin's radio show for, for a little bit of a chat. If you've not heard this, I'm gonna, I'll play a clip of it, right? Because it's brilliant. Normally we don't obviously venture over into other people's radio shows and podcasts and all that type of stuff. But it's Mike. He's been on here. We'll share some of his stuff. So take a listen to this. It made me laugh. To be fair, quite difficult to understand Yo Romero down the phone. <laughs> all right. But i have a little bit of a nosy anyway. You're in the middle of a
1: a Twitter feud right now with what we believe is Joel Romero's personal assistant or manager or somebody.
0: Yeah, because Joel Romero can't speak English, but yet he can somehow tweet it perfectly with you know the correct punctuation, the commas, the apostrophes, periods, everything. You name it, it's like it was written by an English teacher, but he can't speak a lick of English. Um, But yeah, he tweets it perfectly. So who am I talking to? So I said, Joel, I've got no interest in... Uh, no interest in arguing with your social media intern or your manager or your creepy f- manager. That dude gives me the creeps.
1: All right, so here's oh. the deal, Mike. Here's the deal. Yeah. Uh, apparently, and I don't know, apparently we have somebody that's on the line that says it's Joel Romero. All right, get him on. Right, let's see if it's him. Josh says it sounds Who? like him. And And I know that he fights out of a certain city, and I know that's the area code for that city. Okay, get him on. Hi, is this Yoel Romero? Hey, hello,
0: brother.
1: It is Yoel Romero, but you're on the the countdown with Michael Bisbee.
0: Hey, have you cleaned up your ass yet? I'm just looking at pictures of where you're your (laughs) pants.
2: Can you hear me? Can you hear me, mate? Shut the
0: f**k up, poopy pants, for one second. <laughs> this, this isn't how a conversation works. Yeah. Listen to this guy. Hey, Roydhead, lay off the steroids. Lay off the steroids. Yo, hey, hey, spell for me. Spell. Because I, I, I want to know if this is you on Twitter or not. So let's take a test. Spell. Um. Um. St- spell steroid for me. I'll give you a hand. S T E. Finish it. Finish it. How do you spell it? Spell it. Is he there? Is yeah, he? I think he's still there.
1: yo well up. Oh, I think you hung up. And he's gone. <laughs> ah, and he's gone. That was definitely Mr. That was poopy definitely pants himself. that was definitely over. <laughs> without
0: a that doubt. was Mr. Poopy Pants. Nice, that's funny. That's awesome. I'm just about to post a picture of that right now. Hold on, where is it? Yeah, buddy. Oh yeah, look at this. Pooping his pants. Yo, hey, Beb, Yo Romero just called into the show. <laughs> he just screamed his head off. Oh, my wife says I'm being immature. Sweet up, <laughs> Beb, Beb, the day I myself in the <laughs> octagon i expect to be ridiculed until the end of time uh, okay i love right? that your
1: wife just literally went you're being immature stop it michael <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing <laughs>
0: no but come on Louis. you're the a East ufc Eagle champion Pants. you're 37 years old what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> hey but that pissed joel off he hung up. He couldn't take it mr poopy Fans. oh my god the way my surgery is going sorry my my, my recovery from my surgery, yeah, I think May thirteenth, that Dallas show, that would probably work. May thirteenth in Dallas. So
1: you're saying there's a chance that that's going to happen there. And what they just yeah. announced the heavyweight title fight for that
0: one, right? Yeah, that's right. Steve Emiotic versus uh, Junior Dos Santos. So, um, so you're really you're saying fight. is
1: this is this all but official? Barring GSP no. people come in and say, hey, we want to do this fight. Barring yeah. that, the next fight you think is going to be Yo Romero in May
0: well of course i'm the champion i've got to fight the number one contender i've never ever had a problem with doing that and let me just say this again for the millionth time because no disrespect to Dana White, but he loves to sh- it just... his twisted version of reality. He, he says that Obispoin wanted the Henderson fight. No, UFC wanted me to fight Dan Henderson. So I took Dan Henderson. I'm the champion. I've got to face the number one contender. If that little scumbag is number one contender, then that's who I've got to fight. Failing GSB or the UFC contacting me and saying, hey, do you want to do a mega fight for millions of dollars with GSP?" Then that's when I'll fight. And I think, looking at my uh, schedule, looking at my knee... Looking at how everything is, probably May thirteenth in Dallas, either Maine or Col with Steepy and Dos Santos. Um, yeah, that could possibly
2: be the date. So there you go, Mr. Poopy Pants uh, decided to ring um Mike's
3: radio show. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> to be fair to Ramiro, I've gotta say the the GoFundMe page, the paper biscuit Medical. Bills, That's even better. That's that even was, better. That was a belt like that that was class. That that was funny but uh I
2: actually like Romero. I think he's a funny dude. Some of the shit that he comes out with like you just said the GoFundMe page. I think he's a funny guy. And we obviously have been on here. I love Bisping as well. This this is could this potentially be better outside the octagon than in?
3: Uh it could well be. Yeah. I think Mike's hoping the opposite cuz if it goes early it only goes one way but uh I think, listen, don't sell Mike Short, man. After the year, he's just had this confidence through the roof. I think it's a hell of a fight. I think anyone fighting Bisping at the moment's got to bring their A game to to, to take that belt off him because he ain't going to give it up lightly. That's for sure.
2: And as he's just said there, May 13th is the date that he's looking at because obviously he's just had knee surgery.
3: Um, I can't see it being that date. Because I was going to say
2: that looks too early to me. I'll be honest with you.
3: Well, that's already got two title fights on it. Anyway, they won't do three title fights. Not for not for an event, you know, in Dallas, Texas, because uh, you know that's already got Maiochich versus the Sanyos and, and your girl's on there no, already Santos. as well. The Santos is fighting Maiochich, yeah, yeah. And your girl uh, Je- Joanna Jodrzewicz is fighting Jessica Andrade on that card as yeah. well. So they're not going to add a third title fight to that card. So you put, and obviously they ain't going to do it in Brazil. So. I think it's probably got more chance of going to UFC 203 in July. in the You know, in the summer, that big summer double header that they do in the summer every year. Yeah. They've got the tough final on July 7th, and they've got a pay-per-view event on July 8th. I think it'll go to that, because obviously the July 8th event, actually, 203, the July 8th. 213, you mean, yeah? 213, sorry, yeah. That's going to be the two coaches, isn't
2: it? Oh, of so course, that's yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. That's going to be Garbrandt. Cody against
3: TJ, yeah. So that's going to be Cody TJ. And the way Cody's going at the moment, he's a big enough star now to headline that pay-per-view. All day. All day. So he doesn't necessarily need a Mike, a, the middleweight pay-per-view on there as well. So looking at these dates now, you know, unless unless they do double up on that event, um, it's hard to see where they're going to put Bispan versus, versus Ramiro.
2: And he's probably before summer, and, and you saying that he's probably absolutely delighted. No, what he's, we'll have a bit of a rest. No, one it will September, we'll do it September, yeah. mate. We'll have a little <laughs> exactly. bit of a delay. No bother whatsoever. Give me a little bit of a time to uh, to heal up. It's a fight that I think is going to happen. I think it has to happen. Yo Romero's earned his stripes. Um, to be fair, you mentioned this middleweight division on several occasions, mate. Yo Romero, Jacare Souza. Fuck that, I don't wanna get it. I don't want Mike in any with any of them. The only one I wanna see him make is Rockhold. I'm gonna be honest with you. Even though it's still a tough, tough fight, You've I think you. I think out of them all, it's the one that he's got more chance of 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 showing the real Michael Bispin.
3: I just think after after what happened last time with Rockhold, <laughs> I think Rockhold ain't gonna take it easy next time. You know, I could see that fight happening, but it ain't gonna happen next.
2: Go on, Mike. Just keep the radio show going, man. You're more than welcome to come on this one at any particular point uh, in the future. Listen, we're going to have to flip over to um, London and Bellator, the uh, press conference that happened this time last week. We saw two lads there that are obviously going to meet in the future, sat near enough next to each other talking about themselves and having a little bit of a -a tete-a-tete. However, Paul Daly is going to be matched up with Rory McDonald. That is happening at uh, Bellator 179 London, May 19th. Just like to point out to the people that listen to this show, that's actually my birthday weekend, so if you want to club together and maybe get me a ticket, that would be absolutely dynamite. Thank you very much. <laughs> what a show, man. We've been talking about UFC London. We love it We look because there's a lot of exciting fights on there. Our boy Jimmy's on there, Brad Pickett's on there. But when you compare it to that main event, I'm sorry, it smashes the living daylights out of it.
3: That one fight...
2: That one fight, absolutely. That, that,
3: that, that's that's a better headline. We mentioned that last week when it, when we thought it was going to be uh, Paul Daly against MVP, Michael Venom-Page. We said that was a better fight than Jimmy Mann versus Corey Anderson. Uh, so, Paul Daly against uh, Rory MacDonald. Well, I'm sorry, that steps up and he, <laughs> he, yet another level. You know what? Last week, I was thinking... Prior to the show, I was like, there's no way they're going to match. MVP has been matched so carefully yeah. in his Bellator campaign. I thought, I can't believe they're going to match him with Paul Daly. I can't believe they're going to match him because that is such a massive fight. And there's no, you beat Paul Daly, you've got to have a title fight, you know, you're right in the title mix. Paul Daly's a murderous puncher, a, a striker. I, I just couldn't get my head around it. I was like, it's such an unusual route for Bellator after literally. Picking his way through that welterweight division with hand-chosen hand, hand chosen opponents to build him up as this, you know, second coming of Anderson Silver, this British superstar. Yeah. To then throw him in with Paul Daly just felt like throwing, you know, all that hard work could, go, could easily go to bits yeah. in a split second. But, MVP sucked me in by putting on his social media. Sign the contract, Paula. Sign the contract. And I was like, fuck, he's clearly signed then. Something must be happening. So on last week's show, I was like, yeah, it's happening. It's got to be happening because MVP is alluding to as such. So when they announced Rory McDonald, I was like, oh, shit. One, that's a better fight. Two, that makes more sense. Yeah. Why would they risk MVP and everything they've built with him against Paul Daly, who could put him to sleep with one shot. what, they were, what ne- In hindsight, they were never going to do that. No, absolutely. That's never going to happen. I can't, I can't see MVP fighting for Paul Daly anytime soon because Paul Daly, if, if he beats Rory McDonald, and that's a massive if, because I think Rory's way better in a lot of departments, Yeah, I think the winner of that fight will get a welterweight title shot. The loser of that fight doesn't go to MVP. MVP will go in a different... I I just think the whole Paul Daly thing, it was just a a, a cool smoke stream by Bellator. It got us all talking. It'll get us all invested in this London card. But uh, in hindsight, you know, this is a better fight. Mm. They have gone in a better direction. MVP will get another hand-picked opponent. And, uh, you know, it's uh, upwards and onwards for MVP. Far away from Paul Daly. What a treat for UK fight fans, that, to
2: get Rory it's McDonald, Rory McDonald yeah. here in the UK fighting one of Bellator our own... debut. Oh, mate, absolutely, absolute sensational. And what I did appreciate from Scott Corker, who's obviously the, the main man at Bellator, when he was obviously announcing all these fights last Thursday, one thing that I did appreciate was one of my favourite mixed martial arts fights of all time, Paul Daly, Nick Diaz. It absolutely, it's unbelievable. Definitely go and yeah. check it out, yeah? And he made a reference Amazing. to it. I personally think we have the potential of that again with this particular fight.
3: If if Rory fights him the way he fought Robbie Lawler, man, we're going to be in for an absolute treat. If Rory comes and he's got his sensible head on and Fierce Zahabi's had a word with him and said, you'll fight to type, then his wrestling will just be far too good for Paul Daly. His ground game will be far too good and I think he'll just outwork him. And he'll he'll take... The same route that GSP made so successful. Really quick double leg, take him down, ground and pound, just dominate the fight on the ground. We'll try and spoil it. But we know Rory likes to fight. (laughs) We know he likes a ball. He loves a tear up. And, you know, rather like that Nick Diaz fight with Paul Daly, where it just became a macho contest. Who could take and who could land the biggest shots? That's what we want. That's what we want for that Bellator London card. And, man, I'm super excited for it. And, you know, it's... UFC man, you've have got it. Listen, this is the UFC podcast. We love the UFC. We've been covering it a long time. You know, it's our bread and butter. But take note, guys. You got to step up your game. Bellator are coming to London. They're doing a better main event. They're bringing a, a brand new star, Rory Macdonald, who they signed when he, he left the UFC. Signed with them. They're putting him on here in a flagship event. They're making London a flagship event for the Bellator. Uh, calendar for 2017 meanwhile the UFC are doing a London event with a lot of guys that are always on London events, do you know what I mean? It's mm. like step it up, come on, they've got to try and step up, step up the game and don't get me wrong, we know the UFC do some amazing stuff and I maintain that fight card as a card is better than all London but the main event ain't better
1: You're listening to the Fight Disciples Podcast
2: This weekend, back to the world of UFC, Halifax, Canada. I love it in uh, North America and in Canada that they have named some of the key towns and cities after wonderful places here in the UK. (laughs) Halifax is where they're off to uh, in Canada for Lewis versus Brown. And listen, this is a proper fight, man. These are two big boys that do like to trade. And when they're both on song, they are absolutely sensational. The only problem is is that uh, Mr. Brown of late hasn't necessarily been on song. I know you're a big fan of his, but he consistently lets himself down. I don't know what that is. I don't know whether it's something that's going on between his ears. Maybe it's the training, as we have spoke about in the past, of which I am still led to believe, even though he's left the gym that he was training in and switched gyms, he's still going to have um, our, our main man,
3: Eddie in the in the
2: corner wing, which I'm absolutely gobsmacked by.
3: Edmund Tarverdian, yeah. He maintains that he hasn't left Edmund. He's just
2: you know Using a different it, facility
3: to train. Using different facility, yeah, exactly. But it, it, you're right, he is sticking with Edmund Tarverdian. Why I've got no idea. You know, you said you, you mentioned it then, I'm a, I'm a big Travis Brown fan. Yeah, I was, because he's got all the tools. Genuinely. He's got oh, this kid has got all the tools to be UFC heavyweight champion. But he's gone backwards. Yeah. He's gone backwards with the way he fights. You know, he used to be really mobile. His, his kicking game used to be on point. His naughty elbow game, on point. Is that is that a thing? Is you that a what? thing in
2: the UFC, the naughty elbow the game? naughty
3: elbow. As hell blows, man. His hell blows with the some na- of the best ooh. in the heavyweight division. Ooh, naughty. I bet you're one of naughty. them, aren't you?
2: You sit there on the
3: couch going,
2: ooh, that's a bit naughty. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I maintain he's got all the tools but Naughty. since he's been with Tad since he's been jumping around camps actually he just seems to have gone backwards you mm. know if there's the thing with the heavyweights is I always think heavyweights operate better more of a one-on-one with a camp do you know what I mean yeah. so look at Stipe Maiochic you know his camp is built for Stipe Maiochic yeah. his team are put are put around him for team Stipe Maiochic they're not Jackson Winklejohn. Yeah. Not, yeah. I you agree. know, Team Alpha Male or whatever. You know, they're not in a you're not a fighter in a pot. Yeah. Everything is about you. And if you look at pro boxing, it kind of works the same way. You know, you, the, the most successful heavyweights have pretty much a one on one coach, or trainer for thing going on. They're not in a whole pool full of fighters. Mm. It just doesn't seem to work. You need that attention. You need that specialist focus. And I think because Brown skipped from camp to camp and he's been all over the place. He just seems to have gone backwards, you know. I wish it I think it the 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 Travis Brown that was an alliance. I thought was the best Travis Brown. He he was such a young prospect, but had so much going for him. If he'd have stayed there with Eric Del Fiero, or maybe even just went over... I think he went to Team Blackhouse for a while and done some work with Kenny Johnson and then was with Rafael Cadero at King's MMA. He should have stayed there. Obviously, Vadum was there. Maybe that's why he moved on. Then he ends up at Jackson Wink. Then he ends up with Ar- the Arlovsky situation. Then... Uh, Alistair Overeem comes over. Maybe that was too heavyweight, soupy. So then he goes over to California, and mixes with Edmund, and meets Ronda, and you know him and all that kind of stuff goes on. But is he's got to think about his own career. Ronda's career is finished now. Ronda's career is over. She'll move on, and she's probably wildly successful, he, you know. And and she'll continue to do movies or whatever she does. I very much doubt Ronda's coming back. He's got to do what's right for him. Mm. Fuck what Ronda thinks of Edmund. You've got to do what's right for you. Don't do it, you know, just because you don't want to make it look publicly like you're blaming Edmund for Ronda losing. You know, you're a bigger man than that. Just do what's right for you. And for me, the best thing he could do would be to go back to Alliance, go back to Eric Del Fiero, go back to where he looked his best. He looked better on his feet. He looked so much more agile. Uh, Anyway, it's a big opportunity for him this weekend. It's a tough fight, man. Big Derek can fuck it. He don't fuck about. Listen when you've lost a couple like Travis Brown has, you know he's lost lost uh he hasn't won since he beat Matt Mitrione lost to Velasquez lost to Doom lost of course to Arlovski in that uh big yeah. showdown kind of fight that they had he's got no choice he he's got to go in against he's got to take a risky fight to try and stay relevant In this heavyweight top ten, and boy, they don't come much riskier than Derek Lewis. The kid is on an absolute tear. Knocked out everybody. The only person, sorry, the only person he couldn't knock out was the unknockoutable Roy Nelson. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody else has been sparkled. Kids used to do main events. Now he headlined his last event. Headlining this event. Listen, I'm telling you, man, that the beast, the black beast, is only going one way. And that's up, and it's Travis Brown's going to have to be at his very best to 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 win this fight at the weekend. I'm telling you, he's got to be back to his very best. Otherwise, he's going to get knocked
2: out. It, it seems this card at the weekend in Halifax that it does seem that the it's there's a theme that runs through quite a few of the fights about lads that want to stay relevant. For example, Johnny Hendricks is also on this card, man. He's yeah. taking on uh, Hector Lombard, and there's another fight, Johnny Hendricks went. When I first started proper getting into the UFC, Johnny Hendricks was one of those fighters where I thought, fucking hell, he's going to be unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. But then just totally lost
3: his way. I mean, we don't even mention him amongst welterweights really now, do we? No, and so much so the UFC refused to class him as a welterweight anymore. So with this fight's at middleweight at the weekend mm. against Hector Lombard. Another guy that's had weight issues at welterweight and has been forced to go up to middleweight... So these these two could easily have met for the welterweight title just two years ago. Yeah. And yet here we find them now, both up at middleweights, both looking to regroup and reinvent themselves in a new weight class. They've kind of done them both a bit of a favour. Certainly uh, Certainly, Johnny Hendricks done him a bit of a favour. Well, I, I guess you could argue Romero as well. Because neither of these guys are natural middleweights. They're just going to be slightly out-of-shape welterweights. <laughs> they could just they could do a new class, a new a new weight class for this fight itself. Plump out welters. Out-of-shape welters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fat welters. Because <laughs> that's what they are. They're both fat welters because, you know, we've just ran through the middleweight top ten or the top five. Oh, man. And, and, and these guys, they're just not big enough. I'm sorry. I know Lombard's a beast as a welterweight, but they're not tall enough. They're not long enough. Step them up to middleweight, you know. Luke Rockhold takes these two apart on the same night. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, You know, and the rest of the, the rest of the middleweight rankings the same. So for these guys, it's just a case of staying relevant with the UFC right now and trying to convince the UFC to allow them to go back down to welterweight. Neither of them have won a fight in a long time. Uh, Both struggling, as I say, to make weight. It's, uh, it's kind of a crossroads fight for both of them. You know, I don't think either of them won a fight for about three years which is crazy when you think that the co-main event this weekend purely on the strength of the fact that their names which ones you want
2: to watch then on this particular card
3: uh obviously i'm i'm totally intrigued by the main event yeah because anything could happen and usually does when these when both of these guys get in there literally anything could happen so i'm intrigued by that obviously from a british fight fan perspective I'm fascinated by the Jack Marshman fight, the he's middleweight. The, he's the Welsh fight, kid, middleweight isn't out of Wales. Yeah, yeah Welsh fight kid. out of Wales, first ever Welsh fighter signed to the UFC. Well done. Um, on an absolute tear at the moment. Lost a couple of fights early on in his career. Lost one to Scott Askham, actually another friend of the show, fights in the UFC. But yeah. been on a bit of a tear since he was. I think he was Cage Warriors champion. He's won about his last eight. Made his UFC debut uh, in November beating Magnus Seed and Blad. Uh, looked, looked the business there. Step up in class here, though, against Thiago Santos from Brazil, who is a, a very good fighter. He's got heavy hands himself. Good thing is Santos has been, you know, he, he lost to Gegard Mousasi at UFC 200, we may remember. And then he, lost his, he lost his last fight as well against Eric Spicely. So massive opportunity this for Jack to really claim a bit of a scalp of a guy that, as I say, in the last 12 months has been mixing with guys in the top 10. So a massive opportunity for Jack to really make a name for himself on this card at the weekend. So that's the one I'm looking forward to. That's my pick for every fan to keep an eye on. Jack Marshman hopefully doing his thing for the UK this weekend in Nova Scotia. This is the
0: Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store.
3: Thank you once
2: again for downloading our podcast. If you don't subscribe, please do so, man. Go to fightdisciples.com. All the buttons are there. You can listen to all previous shows. Subscribe to us so you never miss out on any of our weekly content when it comes to the UFC. And you can also join our uh, daily chat on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you... uh, come and be a part of it and fingers crossed fingers crossed we are recommending that you do participate in watching this show at the weekend from halifax uh hopefully if this is the first time that you're going to watch a ufc event it won't bore you to death like ufc 208 all right hopefully
3: it won't but don't won't. worry
2: if it does it's too it many posters on this yeah i know that. but if it does bore you to death or if you miss it for some reason don't worry Two weeks, it's Woodley Wonder Boy Part 2, so don't worry, all right? (laughs) It will all be safe. Have a wonderful week.
0: Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.